0: This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. Welcome to the Abiding Together podcast, where we desire to provide a place of connection, rest, and encouragement for men and women who are on the journey of living out their passion and purpose in Jesus Christ, like we are. My name is Sister Miriam James. And once again, as usual, I have my lovely friends with me, Heather Kim and uh, Michelle Benzinger. And we also have our two special guests. There was such a rave, Heather, there was such a rave response to the men on the show that we had to bring them back for round two. What do you think?
1: Yes, I thought it was uh, wonderful to have them as our first guests. And now they are our second guests. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of easy when they are...
0: Uh, (laughs) we welcome back jake kim and and chris Benzinger, the the husband of uh, husbands of michelle and heather and we're just delighted to have them with us today and today we're going to talk about how to love one another like how do you love well how do you become a good lover in all the different ways that god is calling us to love and he is love so he's calling us to walk along that path and so we're going to talk about several just different ways to do that um but Michelle, you know, we were talking about kind of, you know, where do we go from here and just our identity and things like that. So when you talk about, you know, think about how do we love one another? What was some of the things that really sticks out to you? Because I know this was a topic near to your heart when we were talking about show topics this season.
2: Um, how do I feel about it? Well, it's interesting because when I brought this topic up, I thought it was really good. But now, over the last couple of days that I've uh, <laughs> had, we've had... Um, I've just been really convicted about how poorly I love. So yesterday, last night, when we were texting Mm -hmm. back and forth about recording times, I was like, can I call in sick for tomorrow's episode, please? And so um, can I just, um, yeah, not do this? Because um, like I said before in the earlier podcast, like marriage and parenting and just life on planet Earth is a school of love. And I keep on feel like I have to keep Mm -hmm. on taking lessons over and over, and I think I'm in the remedial class, and so um, I just keep on doing, you know, uh, and whenever I get prideful about how I love, God just really um, convicts me that there's ways to go deeper, and um, in our brokenness, there's always something to be restored so we can love better and fuller and deeper. Yeah, so that is how. What about you, Heather? Mm
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, isn't this the goal of the Christian life is to learn how to love well, to love and be loved, um, and to show Christ to those around us. And it is the most difficult thing to live. As soon as we think we have it, we realize we don't. And we're very humbled by that fact. Um, but at the same time, you know, we have to have hope that as we draw close to Christ and as we spend time with Him, that our hearts are being transformed, that we are becoming more like Him and more who we are meant to be. So I think this is a wonderful topic to talk about. And although we will be talking about, you know, sometimes how we love our our spouses or sister, how you love your community and how you love Christ, this applies to really anybody that God has entrusted to us, the dear ones to us. How do we love well? And this is really, really vital for our, our life. One, because we need to grow in this aspect. And two, because we so desperately need to be loved well and love others well.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I love that Jake and Chris were willing to come on the show with us again today just to kind of give their perspective as well. And I think, you know, when we talk about loving, we have to talk about acknowledging another person, you know, God is a, as a person and he acknowledges us as people. And so Jake, I loved what you were sharing about acknowledging the story of other people. And, and when you talk about love as, as a husband and as a father and as a brother, and just also in your years, spending time with people in your office as a, as a counselor, can you talk to a bit about, to our listeners about acknowledging somebody else's story and just kind of how we encounter them?
4: Sure. Um, but before I do that, sister, I wanted oh. to say that you make a great spouse oh. and I'm sure oh. that Jesus is proud mm-hmm. to be your spouse. Cause you might not hear <laughs> oh. that much. Thank you. I have a great spouse too. Yes. Thanks dear. <laughs> Michelle, you're pretty good too. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle's like my, my sister. I have to tease her. Um, what One thing about love, just quickly, that I used to say in my practice all the time um, is that it I mm. refer to it as an art because I think a lot of people try to turn it into a mechanical system where what are the do's and don'ts? And it's much more like an art form. Uh, and so if you're trying to learn to draw or to paint mm. at first, uh, it doesn't look much like mm. it's supposed to, but there's still a lot of beauty that can come from a, an artist who can you know a master artist can look at that and appreciate the attempt and effort and that's very much how God looks at us and our attempts to love even though they don't look like what we're maybe trying to emulate but it's an art form and so it's not a system that you master or mm-hmm. 10 principles uh, it's really learning how to become an artist of love uh, because it's live it's in it's mm-hmm. in motion and so uh, it you don't always have the luxury of having a principle right there, right then. You have to learn how to do it on the fly and organically. And part of that's the challenge, but that's also part of the beauty of it being creative. But with regard to acknowledging stories, um, you know, in my practice, I would say that the majority of the reason that people came in to see me, I, at the end of my practice mm-hmm. before I went on sabbatical, I was seeing almost exclusively adults. And the majority of the reason that people were coming in to see me was because of the way that other people treated them. I mean, it kind of Mm -hmm. seems self-explanatory, but why people were seeking help was because other people didn't love them well. Mm. And in particular, often it was the people who they expected and assumed would love them the best or the most. So Mm -hmm. mom or dad or spouse. And so people were broken by this. And so learning the art of love is not some something insignificant. Uh, it's very important. And when you do it, it is beautiful, just like seeing a beautiful piece of art. It's just stunning when you experience love, being loved well, or love someone well, or watch two people love each other well. But I think something for me personally, and I saw it a lot in my practice, was I had to remind myself that Heather is not my mom. Mm-hmm. Heather is not that teacher in grade four. Mm. In other words, Heather is not some of these other people who didn't love me well, because on a human level, we have the tendency to project onto the other or see them through our experiences. It's like a lens we look at now through the experiences of our life, and it can disfigure the person in front of us. And so I had to work very, very hard because of woundedness in my life for my mom to make sure that. I wasn't seeing my mom and Heather and then reacting to my mom and Heather oh, because wow. she's not my mom. Mm-hmm. And that took effort, it took prayer, it took reminders even from Heather, uh, brothers, uh, etc. And so to me that's essential uh is to not transcend or to you know put on to the other um in the counseling world that we have all these fancy names for things. But essentially what we're talking about here is not putting on for the other your experience of someone else. That's been huge for us mm-hmm. um, and essential. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think the other side of that as well is to remember that not everything is personal. You know, when somebody mm-hmm. is reacting to something, I think that's one of the pitfalls of many relationships is that we have somebody who might come at us with something And it seems so personal. And so we react and it turns into a big argument or or a disruption in the relationship. Whereas over time, I've been learning if I'm able to pause and remember this person has a story they have other things going on in their mm-hmm. life. They come from, you know, there's a lot of different things that have happened. This might not be about me. So how can I be present and love them well instead of mm-hmm. just reacting because I'm taking it personally? And that has radically shifted the times where we've got that right. And I'm not <laughs> saying we get it right all the time, but the times that we have got that right, it has been very powerful and very healing because then you're able to be present to the need and the desire instead of reacting to what's being projected onto you.
2: Mm-hmm. Chris, what do like you? I what? just did
1: it right there. Right. One of the, in my, this is what was literally going on in my
4: heart. Here's a live example. I was thinking of sharing a story, and then I thought, wait a second, Heather uh, is someone yes, who uh, been honored and respected in public, and doesn't like uh-huh. a lot of personal things disclosed. And so I went, oh, probably shouldn't say that because of things in her story. So right there. I just want to say it's possible. It's it's possible to to actually love well. Yes. (laughs) So that story I will not share.
0: Oh, our listeners are like, no. You're a good man. (laughs) Chris, what do you think when you kind of encounter that as a man and just acknowledging the other story, whether it be somebody in your office or Michelle and the kids?
3: Right. I think Michelle has opened my eyes to this whole idea of story and and I've just in I always again was more regimented and did the right thing because it was the right thing to do. And so this whole idea of story. Now I'm fascinated by people's stories, and Michelle even makes fun of me that I just like going to new places, meeting new people. Not for small talk. I hate small talk, but if I can pull out somebody's story, like that's that's what I love to do. Um, so I think that that's super important. And I think what the thing that the thing that trips me up in love most of the time, whether it's with Michelle or other people, is that I. I all of a sudden I realize that I'm expecting them to make me happy. they Michelle is ah. responsible for my happiness. So then it quickly turns into, no, I'm really trying to love her. But then it in the end it turns into, what is she not giving me? What is she not providing me for me? She's my wife. She should make me happy. My kids, they're responsible for my happiness. And really I believe that the Lord's love for me cascades over my over my um, in a sense, I see like this big wall. Waterfall, and my love for the Lord, um, I got my hands going, too. And even though you all can't hear me and see me, I, like the, my love for God cascades over Michelle. And then that love cascades over my kids. And that love cascades over everything else. Um, instead of looking at Michelle and saying, well, no, I'm, I'm unhappy or I want happiness. What are you not doing? Because you're responsible for that. So when I'm getting it right, it's flowing. F- I'm, my love for Michelle is flowing out of my love for God and not trying to be in place of it.
0: Michelle, what do you think?
2: I think for me, um, coming when the two becoming one, I mean, is mystery. Like, I remember when we first got married, I'm like, wow, this is totally a mystery. How is this going to work? Not because things were bad, but because things we were so polar opposite and so. And Chris came from a more secure family background. I came from a very alcoholic, um, you know, not a stable family background. My parents were getting divorced as we were getting married. So there was just a lot of um, brokenness, you know. And so I just put a lot of unfair expectations on Chris when we got married. I wanted him to make up Mm. for things that um, didn't happen. In my um, family that I grew up in. And it was a real breaking point for me, like a breakthrough, like good breaking point, breakthrough point when I'm like, it is not his responsibility to make up for the things that my dad did not do. You know?
0: Oh, my gosh. And to take
2: that expectation off of him. And, I mean, it was probably year seven of our marriage. And when that expectation came off of him, and I did not realize how that expectation on him basically um, debilitated him. You know, like it really debilitated him. And when that expectation came off of him, it really freed him to love me more fully and completely, which is what I was desiring, you know, but I was shitting him to death. As we like to say, you should do this or you should do that. And so, and I'm a very good shitter. And so, um, yeah, you know, (laughs) so it's that, you know, it's just allowing, um, you know, Uh, freedom and loving and people's stories. But to realize every part of our story that has brokenness or every part of our story that needs healing is God's love song of redemption, you know, in our love stories, either with him or with the spouse or with your community or with, you know, people you live with. It's always a redemption song. So that's God's specialty. So, yeah. Sister, what about you?
0: Oh, I think that's very true. And I think whether that's in a religious life, I, I love the, this reality that I'm learning about more and more is acknowledging stories, people's stories. And, you know, I spend a lot of time in airports and sometimes I just stand there and just watch the people walk by and just think that everybody has a story. Like everybody does certain things, why they do what they do because they have a story and how wrong I've been on just judging people. And then I hear their story and I was like oh my gosh, you know, or totally thinking one thing and then not verifying it, just totally thinking that that somebody else thinks something until I go back and say, Hey, did you really think this? And they were overwhelmed. They're like, no, I didn't. I didn't. That's not even what crossed my mind. And I think just to respect that in in people's lives and in community life, but in, in in the journey that we have with everybody, we come into contact to everybody is a gift to us. And I remember many years ago, the, the priest that mentored me, I was complaining about somebody and, you know, I, I said something along the lines of, you know, if she would change, my life would be better. And he, uh, he looked at me and he said, um, my daughter, he said, don't reject the gift because you don't like the wrapping paper. (laughs) And, uh, for me, I've, (laughs) you know, cause a lot of gifts come in wrapping paper that more like sandpaper, right. But they're still beautiful. And (laughs) I think acknowledging a story, but like the next step along the lines, like what we've talked about is, is really champing other people's dreams, like champing their gifts and calling their gifts out. And everybody wants to be seen, known and loved. And I think when we can make the conscious act of the will to really receive that person as they are and and really encourage them, I think that changes relationships on any level. When I'm looking for the good versus looking for places I can critique, or like you all have said, making, looking for somebody to make me happy. So uh, Jake, I wonder if you could talk about that, you know, just maybe we could all briefly share about, you know, what is it like to champion one another's dreams, especially in marriage? Like how would that look like um, just in your general life?
4: Mm -hmm. Um, I think the first thing for me just from experience is that to champion someone else's dreams, you have to come out of yourself. Because uh, if you're really focused on yourself, and this is some of the struggles that Heather and I have experienced, is that either from my clinical work or just outright selfishness, at times I, I wasn't championing her dreams because I was too focused on me. Um, and when you don't do it, you can watch a person wither. And I saw that with Heather uh, when I wasn't doing that while I was watching her but couldn't understand it at the time. But she was withering because she was desiring and longing to dream. But I wasn't supporting her in it um, because it was too focused on me. And I think very simply, again, this was a complete grace-filled moment. So I, I have to go back to the how do you do it? I have to do it in grace because I really like to try to do things on my own and be self-reliant, and that fails all the time. So a quick story. Heather and I were talking about a house we were considering buying, and... Um, She just said a very simple line about one of her dreams, which was, what if we live life a different way? And it's so simple, and she could have said it a thousand other times, but when she said it, it was as if I heard her. And when I heard her, I could get totally behind it, and I love the idea. In other words, I experienced life as I was championing this dream of hers to be open to a different adventure where I can get locked into a certain way. So, one, getting out of yourself. Two, really being present and, and listening. And three, it, don't worry. It, it is fruitful for you, too. Um, you will experience the overflow of championing your spouse's dreams. That's just how God works. That's how generous mm-hmm. he is. That's the two become one.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: How about Chris and Michelle? For you guys, personally, I feel like you two are fantastic at this, as I've watched the two of you do this. Mm-hmm. So. I'd love to hear you guys speak about this.
3: Go ahead, honey. (laughs) I think we're in a season now. I I, I think this podcast being one, I mean, I I love that the three of you, the way that you love each other and care for one another and champion each other every, every time you do one of these things and it's just fostered all the things that you do outside of this podcast too. So, you know, that when, when, it's it's funny like we want I want my marriage to be a certain way uh, or I have this idea of it being a certain way um, and that's usually more regimented or or you know something that I can count on but then God has these wildflowers and my wife's a wildflower you know so um, so it's like all right what do I do to to allow a wildflower wildflower to bloom I mean I can do a garden and um, but what's how do you I mean it's like you throw seeds. And um, to watch uh, to watch Michelle and others. Um, you know, I feel like you all are extended family to me, like to watch, watch these wildflowers just grow in ways. I was like, I I didn't know this was possible. I thought you had to earn it. I thought you had to work hard for it. Um, And what you really have to work hard at, what I really work hard at is being more open to grace. Um, You know, so this podcast and a lot of the initiatives that that Michelle is doing, I feel like this is a season for, uh, you know, for her and to, um, and for me to step up in other even practical ways around the house or you know, ble- be- being that playful one with the kids that so that she can bloom. Um, but we even see with the, the young adults that live live with us or around us, um, you know, that uh, I just feel like we're all one family. And like when when like God just smiles on us when we treat each other authentically like brothers and sisters and what that authentic authenticity is, is to allow people to be who they were created to be. Um, You know, so whether that's with Michelle or kids or even through Michelle um, or with Michelle, with you, Jake and Heather, you sister, Miriam, or that whole extended, you know, all those people. So uh, specifically, Michelle, do you have something that comes to mind?
2: Yeah, I think for me, it's so ornate to dream. It's like breathing for me. Like I am a dreamer and, and it didn't occur to me that other people don't dream until, you know, I was, cause that's how, I mean, mm. I've been dreaming since I've been like from birth, it feels like. So in realizing that is different and mm. that is good. And, but, um, I love stirring dreams up in other people and love people, um, seeing their giftings and callings. And, um, it was, it's always been very natural for me to champion other people. You know, I get excited for, I almost get excited more for other people's dreams than I do my own in some ways. Like I'm like, I love that. And we were listening to something the other day, and um, I love when she says, when, uh, I think it was Melissa Hessler. Go ahead. We've been quoting her forever anyway. But it says, when you're living out how the Father celebrates you, you can celebrate and champion other people's dreams, you know? And I love that. Amen. Like, when you know how the Father celebrates you, you can celebrate other people's dreams and know that a God is a God of abundance and because someone is living out their dream it doesn't mean there's scarcity in the dream department and the store is gonna be closed soon and it's not gonna work and um, abundance always breeds abundance when we start dreaming it champions but as far as like our marriage is concerned and loving each other um, first of all I know I'm blessed to have a husband that champions my dreams like that is a gift and I do not take that lightly but um, also the beauty in our being so different and complementary is, like, I call Chris my kite holder. Like, he is firmly on the ground, rooted, and I'm up in the air flowing, and he has to hold me stationary. If not, I will just float away and go into the land, Neverland, you know? <laughs> and so, which is a danger in my personality, too. Like, he very much roots me. And, um, which is such a blessing to have and, um, such a gift. So yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Heather, what about you?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think one of the vital things about championing one one another's dreams is to remember that we're not in competition with one another, Mm -hmm. and our dreams aren't in competition Mm -hmm. with one another, that truly if God has placed desires in our hearts and gifts and talents, it, it all is gift from Him. And so the way that we offer those gifts to the world and to one another shouldn't ever be in competition with one another. But I think if we look at it selflessly and say, Lord, how do you want me? Is this my time to run forward, or is this my time to hold the door open um, for the other person in my life. I think when we look at it that way, our needs will always be getting met, you know, because we are made to make a gift of ourselves to one another. It's not a loss to make a gift of ourselves. So when I make a gift of myself to Jake, whether it be through my time, through being present to the children in a different way so that he can pursue something that is really important to him, that blesses me also, because God will not be outdone in generosity. We are not just living our life on our own by our own power, but God and grace and love is is infusing everything that we do when we offer it as worship. And I think even in our dreams and, and championing one another, this can be worship to God. Like Our dreams are supposed to be us fully living who we are in our gifts and talents and offering that as worship to God and everything that we do. So if I want Jake to be more in love with christ and to offer his gifts as worship to the father then i need to make space for that 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 isn't going to take away from me in some way and actually it's not just going to be a gift to me but to all the people who get to experience uh the gifts that god has blessed him with so for me it's very important that we we actually have to sit with these things because these aren't easy things You know, we do feel sometimes like one another's dreams can threaten because it's, it's time and how is this going to happen? And we don't need to figure out all the pieces. I think the more loosely we hold it and the more that we just allow God to show us the way, um, then we're able to really live it well. I mean, Jesus is the way. And there's often where my prayer in lots of things, whether it be we're having an argument or there's some kind of relationship disruption, I don't know how to fix it, or I just don't know how to do something. I always say, Jesus, you're the way. I need you to be the way because I don't know how to do this on my own. So he He is the master teacher and we're supposed to be following him, uh, not running ahead of him. So I think in our dreams, we need to follow Jesus. How is he calling us to live our dreams? How about for you, sister?
0: Mm-hmm. I think one of the best things for me, I know I ran a novitiate for eight years, and I love to see the women become fully alive. It was just a desire of my heart to see them thrive as, you know, brides of Christ in training, so to speak. And it does, it takes a lot of laying down your life. But I love I love what all of you are saying about timing. I love what you're saying about the receptivity, because I think... If I'm if I'm looking for somebody else to to define me or to give me my worth, then I'm going to have a hard time letting them go and letting, you know, letting them dream. But if I'm turning toward God, really which is what, you know, like our vocations just for example, like we're talking about loving people, but our vocations complement one another because you are your marriage and your love for one another is a visible sign of how Christ loves the church. It is a tangible visible sign of that icon of his Undying love for us through everything that might happen. And my life is assigned to you that the ultimate consummation of that love will be in heaven forever when God will be all in all. And I think we need that in one another. And somebody just sent me a John Eldridge quote, which I think we're all Eldridge fans here, but he was saying that, you know, every person is always looking for wholeness. Every hour of their life, every single person is aching for wholeness. And the only person that can give us that wholeness is the one who gave it to us, which is Jesus Christ Himself. And so you know, I think we talk about, you know, identity and, and when we encounter people, many times we want them to be our all in all or we want them to fulfill us or we quote unquote take our questions to them and that's something that can only be answered by God. And that's something, you know, I I don't know. I learned that lesson a lot. I'm like, Oh yeah, I took my question to that person or I'm asking them to affirm something. They can't, they can't do that. It's just beyond their above their pay grade, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) So, Uh so yeah. What do do you, what do you all, maybe one of you wants to jump in? What do you think about that? When you take your question, your, your search for identity, even to your spouse? I mean, there's just sacred parts of you that they can't go to the depths. Only Jesus can. So I, I just would love to hear your heart on that.
4: I know for me, the, um, Just to very simply answer your question, what, what happens when you do that is, um, I say this in honesty in it, and I know Heather, you won't hear this personally, but just you're setting yourself up for disappointment. If you take your deepest identity questions to the other, you're saying you're setting yourself up for disappointment. I think the first step, though, is to actually, one, be aware of what my questions are. What are the aching questions mm-hmm. of my heart? How do they manifest? And that takes some time to actually think about it. And then, two, how do I put them in the other person's hands? Uh, that's one of the ways that I refer to it is um, don't take these precious things and put them in someone else's hands who might not treasure them to the depth that you do. You can only put them mm-hmm. in Christ's hands. And this is, I think, what Jesus was referring to with the pearls before swine. He's not saying, I'm mm-hmm. swine or we're swine. But what he's saying is that something that precious is never meant to be put in someone's hands who can't handle the depth and magnitude and glory mm-hmm. of it. So mm-hmm. for me in particular, you know, through my woundedness and my personal story, I'm always looking for some words of affirmation or, did I do it right? Am I good enough? Um, and if I try to play the game with Heather of getting that question answered, what ends up happening is that, one, she might not know I'm playing the game, and then I start taking her responses very personally. Or two, she knows I'm playing the game, and then for her that just feels gross because I really have a manipulative intention in my relating to her. And that never works well. And so just all around, it, it, it's not what we're made for to have the other answer the question of our identity what's supposed to happen is we're supposed to bring an identity to the relationship i'm Mm. supposed to come to my relationship as a beloved son of god and i love out of that like marriage is higher up on the on the mountain if you look at it it's not the foundation of it it's not the first floor of the building like your relationship and identity from god is the basis and then it's from that that you love but if that's not secure you will experience a lot of disappointment in Mm -hmm. trying to get your wife or your husband to do that. That's been our experience and it's been been a tough road of learning, but boy, it's a lesson that is sure true.
0: Mm. That's
4: a good word. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. I think there's freedom that comes with just being able to acknowledge in all truth is like, you can't give me everything that I'm looking for. Like, you know, in a movie, that doesn't fly very well. We want to hear the things like, you complete me, you know, like Jerry Maguire or whatever <laughs> that sounds really good. Um, but the reality is, God is the one that completes us. And and as he calls us into a marriage or whatever our vocation is, that yes, we are supposed to be Christ to one another. But at the same time, we're pointing to Jesus. We're pointing one another to the giver of all good things, who, the only one who can satisfy our souls. So there's relief that comes when you know that, you don't have to be everything for your spouse and they don't have to be everything for you that you can just love one another in peace, that you can love one another without all of the pressure that goes into it. And that doesn't mean you use that as an excuse to slack off and not be attentive to one another either. You know, you can fall into two extremes But I think just acknowledging that God is the one that satisfies our soul. The more that we look to that from other people, whether it's our spouse or jobs or other people in our life who are important to us, we will be left disappointed every single time. And Mm -hmm. this is something that happens within our hearts very subtly and very obviously as well. So I think these are places that really over time we have to keep looking at saying, where am I going with my questions? Mm -hmm. And am I bringing my questions and my deepest desires to the one who can satisfy to the answer to all of my questions or am I bringing it somewhere else? One more quick thing there is
4: that, you know, I just struck me uh, if you think about the divorce rates right now, which everybody loves to quote statistics about the divorce rates and oh my gosh, it's falling and failing. But if you take this particular point and you apply it to those divorce rates, they start to make a lot of sense. If I have deep longing questions in my heart and I'm asking this other person, uh, a finite creature, to answer infinite questions in me that's not going to work and if I don't know that there's somebody else who can actually answer them then I will not want to be with anymore. Mm-hmm. you are not doing for me what I wanted no wonder the rates are that high but marriage was never supposed to do that to begin with so it's not marriage that's failing it's not having an identity in marriage that causes a marriage to fail
3: mm. for- for me recently, the um, this word came through a podcast I was listening to, and it was it was this uh, husband describing his marriage as fierce with his wife, and so I I called I called Michelle and I was like, Michelle, do you think our love is fierce? You know, and in my heart, I'm like, no, our love is not fierce. You know, it's not, it's not fierce. But, but I really, so as as I reflected deeper on that, like what my ultimate desire was, was for God's love, for me to experience the fierceness of God's love. Mm -hmm. It goes right in line with what we're saying. We, 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 in a trite way, you can only give what you have or, or, but, but I mean, really it's, um, I really desire this fierce love of God, this fierce love of the Holy Spirit, and I want that to flow into my marriage, and I want it to flow into my friendships, and I want it to flow into—so for me, that just that, that word fierce just took on a different—I mean, I've heard the word a lot before, but right now where my heart is— and I just um, this desire for this fierce love. But why, my first question was, Michelle, is, is our love fierce and asked her the question. But as I hung up the phone and was able to reflect deeper, it was like I was really trying to answer that. Am I allowing God's fierce love to penetrate my heart.
2: So on the flip side, I'm working and Chris calls me. He's traveling and he was <laughs> like, hello. And he's like, honey, is our love fierce? And I'm like, first of all, I was like, so impressed that Chris Benzinger was even asking me this question because I'm like, baby, this is not a logical question. I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to need a minute to think about this answer. And I told him, I was like, okay, at times our love has been fierce, but consistently no. But, um, Mm -hmm. and then it had me like, okay. And so we've been... This has been an ongoing conversation the last four or five days. So Chris asks me, and then of course makes me have uh, all these other things start snowballing and just how God is loving us, you know, and, but that is our goal. We want this fierce love, you know, and I even looked Mm -hmm. up the definition. It means like powerful force extravagance, you know, like this fierceness. Mm -hmm. And, um, that is what we want is a fierce love, not only by the Holy spirit, in us and through us and operating in us, but how we love one another, how we allow God to love us and everything. And, um, I was like, okay, let's talk about fierce and let's talk about adventure. And I think that's where we also realize, um, like going into our next thing is like, all right, how do we fight for one another? You know, mm-hmm. and do I fiercely fight for my spouse? Do I fiercely fight for my neighbors? Do I fiercely fight for my kids in my community and, um, like really like the, this side of heaven, we're in a war. Like we really, and if we kid ourselves, if we don't think we are, we are kidding ourselves. Like, you know, all of us are Lord of the Rings people, you know, (laughs) war is upon you, whether you like it or not, it is here, you know? And so I was thinking like, how do I fight like fiercely for my spouse? Mm -hmm. And I was really convicted. There are a lot of areas that I don't like that. I need to step up. Like one, we cannot be defined by our spouse, only God can define us. But we can call out our spouse's identity mm-hmm. and remind him. We can speak that to him. And uh, just recently, the summer, we were watching um, Lord of the Rings, the third one again. And it's so funny. When you see these movies at different seasons of your life, they bring on totally different things than you did. And I was watching the part where she talks about Reforge the Sword for Aragon.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And all of a sudden, I start weeping because it was her that decided that it was time that he stepped into the king. Mm. Like it was her that asked her father to put the sword back together so he could become who uh-huh. he is. And um, it was beautiful. I ended, ended up making a print for our new shop, you know, and we launch it for my boys and for Chris with that saying, reforge the sword, you know, all who wander are not lost. There's a beautiful point that goes with it. But I was thinking, all right, am I reforging the sword in my, the lives of the men around me? and my husband and my boys and all of us and my sisters, you know, am I calling that out? Am I taking place? You know? Sister, what about you just fighting for one another? And what does that look like within community, like religious community? Yeah.
0: I think it's continually being willing to 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 see the other person as they are and continue to love them. I think all of us, we know that love is an act of the will. I mean, to love is to will the good of the other. And it takes a lot of, of willingness and it takes a lot of falling down and it takes a lot of missing people at times. And I've had many times in conversations with sisters where I am I can tell I'm missing them and I just have to re-engage. I'm like, okay, I, d- I didn't handle that very well, so I'm just going to re-engage engage again, but I really think our founder, just like John Paul II, would always speak in the language of the gift. Like every person in your life is a gift to you, and you're a gift to them. And where I'm making a concerted decision not to gossip about them, not I know that happens in religious life. I'm sure you are all shocked about that, but you know, just like the just the, the ways <laughs> we're going to really be authentic and honest and choose to to love one another and have the hard conversations um, when those need to be had, and. I think that we would all agree that you and I, I, I know it. I can't love on my own. My love is is shallow. It's fickle. And I need Jesus to give me his love. I need his love for me. I need his forgiveness. And so it's only when I turn to him and say, Lord, help me love. Help me love. Help me see how you see. I know you delight in this person. Help me do that. Because I, I can't do it on my own. And I'm I'm fully convinced of that. So yeah that's how I fight for the sisters I intercede for them, pray for them, offer fast for them, you know, and the people that God has put into my life to intercede for so yeah it's a great it's a it's an mm-hmm. epic journey. I think we would all agree,
1: yes, and I think there's a big difference between um fighting with someone and fighting for someone. <laughs> it's yeah, good, to that, good to make that good to make that distinction because sometimes we can get so locked into no, fighting absolutely. with someone that we mm. forget we're on the same team, mm. you know, that we're supposed to be fighting mm. for them and fighting uh, like beside them, not with them. Mm. And that's been something very significant in my closest relationships. And especially with Jake is to remember we're on the same team. You know, we're not supposed to be fighting against one another. And so that changes how we work through difficulty because there is going to be difficulty. There is yes. going to be hurt feelings. And especially when it's the ones who are the closest to you, it's the most painful because they are the closest to you. You're the most vulnerable with them. So I think we always, uh, try to assume the best of one another. And that was something that we agreed upon early in our marriage was, can we just assume and just believe that like we want one another's good, that we're not trying to hurt one another. It will happen, but we're not trying to hurt one another. And so that changes the way that we talk about things. You know, you don't want to fight dirty. You don't want to name call and, and bring up old wounds mm-hmm. and sting one another that really you just want to get to the heart of how can we resolve this so that we can, we can continue journeying one an, with one another and loving one another well. So I, I have noticed in some other people's relationships that, um, they often don't fight for their relationship and it gets to the point where it's already finished before they go to a counselor or, you know, seek out help. And and sometimes it comes as a shock because nobody knows that they've been struggling. And so I think that's something that we've tried to do is to seek out help when we need it. That's how we can fight. That's one of the ways. Mm-hmm. If we need to go to counseling individually or together, you know, we're not ashamed about that because we sometimes need somebody to help us interpret what we one another is saying when we hit a wall and we can't get through it. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, and I think we need to be willing to bring in community, to be honest with people who are dear to us. It doesn't mean we have to be honest with everybody in our life, but for us, it's important that we're vulnerable with a few people that they really know how we're doing, that they know what some of the struggles are, that they can pray for us so that we're not in it alone and that Mm -hmm. everything is in the light. It's not being hidden in the dark. And that's Mm -hmm. been very, very useful for us in, um, in keeping our relationships strong. Mm-hmm. Jake, do you have a couple thoughts on this?
4: Yeah, um, I was just actually think kind of connecting the two points of identity and bringing your identity in marriage and fighting for someone, just uh, I know I always like things to be practical and something I can take home and nugget. So as I was trying to listen on behalf of the listeners, Michelle, just a few moments ago when you were talking to Chris and Chris asked a question about being fierce, and you said, no." And I thought, that's a good example. For Chris to hear that and to continue to move through that, he cannot have his questions in your hands because you saying no would crush him or he'd get defensive, Mm -hmm. etc. And it leads right into the fighting for someone because if I need that other person's uh, whatever validation, then it's very hard to receive and interpret how they're fighting for me well. I will misinterpret it through the lens of how I'm needing them to love me, or what what I'm expecting of them. So, very specifically in, in our life, uh, early in our marriage, uh, I brought a lot of woundedness into the relationship. And one of the thing, one of the ways that Heather fought for me, which at the time was very very hard to hear, but has possibly been one of the greatest things that she's ever done for me, is. In my memory, I recall her saying this to me, but whether or not these words actually came out of her mouth, this is very clearly the impression that Heather gave to me. And it went like, I refuse for you to be anything less than a man. Mm. And when you're acting and operating in immaturity and mm. self-centeredness, it's, it's like I was a boy. And so the way that Heather fought for me there was to refuse for me to be anything less than a man. It's it's the Aragorn, like
3: mm-hmm. refusing
4: to let him remain a ranger. Mm. And that can be hard to hear. But when we know and assume that the other has our good, that is incredibly life-giving. In the moment, it doesn't feel like life. But once you let that grow, it's, it's incredibly life-giving. I felt so loved that that's what Heather wanted for me. Was to be a man because that's what I want to be. Mm-hmm. I want. I don't want to be a boy in a man's body. I, I want to be a man, and so her fighting for me like that was huge. But it was hard to hear. Um, I heard a phrase recently from uh, Morgan, one of the uh, Eldritch guys, and he said, "Courage doesn't feel like courage when you're courageous." Mm-hmm when you're actually being courageous it does not feel like courage you only get to have that label after the fact when when that pain has gone away and so i think it actually takes a lot of courage to fight for and to be fought for there has to be a lot of trust that goes Mm -hmm. on and a lot of pure intention of heart Mm -hmm. but man when it when it happens It's beautiful Mm -hmm. and you can really experience the love of God through your spouse.
1: And I think, too, as we talk about abiding together and how we can love one another in community, we have to be willing to fight for one another as well, Mm -hmm. to fight for one another's marriages, to fight for one another's vocations, to fight for even states in life, you know, for single friends that I have to be able to fight for them and remind them about God's calling on their life and the state that they're in and and the life that they're supposed to be living, that they're meant to live. We all are meant to live a full life. And that's what God wants from us is to be fully alive. So as we support one another, it's not just all about us and our relationships, but how do we fight for one another? One simple thing I I can recall so many times when I've t- been talking to my mom about something that's gone on, you know, I'm struggling, something in maybe my marriage or whatever, and she never once has jumped on a bandwagon And, and, and spoken ill of Jake ever. She always calls to mind the good that he is the good that our marriage is and how we should quickly reconcile and don't let the sun go down on our anger. And, and those are the type of people, like I want to be that kind of person Mm -hmm. for others in my life. And I need that. I need that from other people. Somebody who jumps on a bandwagon, you know, that's never going to help the situation. So I think we can also apply these things. How can we fight for one another and remind one another of the truth that we're called into? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think, um, gosh, I, I feel like we could talk a lot about this. I, I just, I just love soaking in this. And I've learned so much just listening to what you all have had to say. And I, I know, Michelle, you, you gave us this quote that you have in your house. And I just want to close with this before we do our one thing that it's from Francine Rivers. Um, and she writes, love the Lord your God and love one another. Love one another as he loves. Love with strength and purpose and passion. And no matter what comes against you, don't weaken. Stand against the darkness and love. That's the way back into Eden. That's the way. And that's what we're all yearning for. And I think as we continue just to abide together and, and walk in these ways, you know, and getting up and falling down and, and, you know, returning to the one who loves us, we can't help but shine that love on others. Um, so it is time for our one thing, my dear friends. And uh, I'm looking at all of you. So I don't know who wants to go first. I'll go first. How about that? So it's still 90 degrees in Texas, but I'd love fall. Fall is my favorite. So fall, my fake fall candle that I have in my room right now. And I did a women's <laughs> retreat last week and it was, I made all fall. The whole room was fall and outside it was 90, but you walked in and it was fall. So I was in Michigan a couple of days ago and their leaves are changing colors. And that is my, certainly my favorite thing. So my one thing, even though I'm in Texas, is fall, people. I love it.
1: I'm with you on that. I looked out, except we actually are experiencing fall. We went from 90-degree weather. Suddenly, I looked out yesterday, and it was pouring rain, and there was leaves all over the grass. And I was like, whoa, it's here. It's happening. And we all put on our hoodies, and there was much rejoicing. It was really good. Nice. So my one thing this week um, is the Jesus Storybook Bible written by Sally Lloyd-Jones. I just love this little Bible for kids. It's such a wonderful gift um, to give to young children. It just tells the gospel story as a love story, and it's really beautiful. So if you're looking for a gift to give to a a child, um, this is a really good one. And to be honest with you, I like reading it as well. (laughs) Michelle, what's your one thing?
2: Um, My one thing is, I did this last year, and I am continuing. I missed a couple days, but I'm back on the bandwagon. Um, The 33 Days to Merciful Love, Mm. a do-it-yourself retreat to Divine Mercy by Father Michael Gately. Um, And mine will end on the Feast of St. Therese. And it's basically um, the writings of St. Therese and St. Faustina. And it is a butt kicker, like a spiritual Mm -hmm. butt kicker. Simple, but yet so profound, just like St. Therese and St. Uh, Faustina. So mm-hmm. it is really great. Honey, what's your one thing? One word. What? what? Fierce. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm awesome. going to have to
2: make him a t-shirt or something. It's a, you should. Girl, I'm ready, baby? Uh-huh. I hear you. I hear you. So there you go.
4: <clears throat> oh, Jake, what about All you? Right. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll follow fierce, uh... With, um, I, I'd have to say my one thing, this is kind of a, I feel like a bit of a cheap one, but it's very true, is books. Um, I could say that I probably received more formation in my walk with God via books than I have any other source other than obviously the Lord mm-hmm. directly. And so, um, I don't know how I would have journeyed to where I'm at if it wasn't for books. And mm-hmm. it, it I mean, you, you could list hundreds and hundreds of them, but currently, right now, um, the Lord's been inviting me to grow deeper in prayer, specifically contemplative prayer. So my book for myself was Pick Up John of the Cross, etc., and that was like I was trying to read a different language. And then I was listening to a podcast, and this book came my way, and it was exactly what I needed, and it was clearly from the Father. It's called When the Soul Listens. Mm. Finding Rest and Direction in Contemplative Prayer by Jan Johnson. Uh, she's a Protestant pastor and counselor who used to work closely with Dallas Willard, who I'm a fan of. Mm. And um, mm. the book is just playful and simple, and I, it feels motherly, uh, and I can digest it. And I think an indicator for me about books is when I'm reading a book and it is deeply impacting me and moving me i know that's the book for that time or there are other times Mm -hmm. i just read books to complete the book and it's almost like it was a waste of time so when i can find a book that's dialed in it takes me six months to read it because i have to soak in there's every page has got something so jan johnson's book when the soul lessons is my one thing
0: Oh, beautiful! Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so mm-hmm. much, dear listeners, for joining us on our journey of learning how to love one another. If you enjoyed our podcast, would you please subscribe? You can go to abidingtogetherpodcast dot com and pass it on to a friend. You can uh, give us a rating; we'd really appreciate that. And until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless you.